This show was previously recorded from 2019. Lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. down abby anderson uh, wrote that version of it and it has to be one of my favorites uh templed hills means uh churches on the hills and that was something that was very important to our country to um to have the freedom of religion and uh we were fighting for that and so uh, when you look at some of these lyrics it's really interesting to see what was important to us at the time and that was uh, the freedom to worship how you wanted to worship we had not had that gift before and people from all countries uh, wanted to come here so that they could exercise their their freedom to do so it took a while for the colonies to catch up <laughs> to this they actually wanted they call it the different colonies wanted to kind of declare <laughs> what their religion was going to be and uh, that wasn't the idea of America. So even in the beginning, we had a hard time figuring out this new way to do things. You know, it was really, it wasn't easy for us by all means. Hi, caller. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm Hi. headed uh, to visit with grandkids. And I did thought those of you who might be interested, there are two incredible books that I want to share with them. One mm-hmm. is called America, the making of a nation by Charlie Samuel. Okay. And it has interesting stories with kind of, Pop out. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Talk, you know, it talks about <clears throat> the picture on the back of the $2 bill and what it really means. Uh-huh. And just a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. And another one, The American Story mm-hmm. by Roger Roth. And it has a hundred true tales from American history. I love it. That, what a fun way, instead of just being goofy, uh-huh. to sit down maybe a couple times and read some of these great stories because if we don't educate our grandkids, I don't know who's going to. I don't know either. So I agree. Thank you so much. Uh, it makes me want to uh, work hard mm-hmm. and fast at this, doesn't it, for you too? Yep. Uh, any, any sentence uh, stand out to you on the Declaration of Independence? You know, in, in the section of the Declaration where they start listing all all the offenses of the king of mm-hmm. England. There's a few, but if you read through those, you, you'll be amazed at how many of them apply today. This one in particular, uh, for depriving us in many cases of the benefits of trial by jury, mm-hmm. or he has combined with others 
to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our Constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended le- legislation. Whoa! Boy, that if that's to not today, today nothing <laughs> is. Yes, yes, and uh, and also the uh, I love that. Thank you for pointing that. It's perfect. And also in the course of human events, how it starts out in the course of human events, um, there comes a time when you finally have to say, "Now wait a minute here." <laughs> um, of course, I'm paraphrasing. And uh, and 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 I think that all of us can recognize that. I mean, it's, it's how long do you go before you finally call it? They, they called it on, on a few items. We have thousands more, millions more uh, items today. But isn't it interesting that they said, yep, this is it. Um, we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. So let me play this. Calvin Coolidge in his speech in 1926, brilliant speech. Constitution was 150 years old, okay? This was almost 100 years ago. And, and he's talking about the Liberty Bell being hallowed ground. And he's saying, do we recognize it as hallowed ground? And then he starts uh, with this. So I'm cutting off the first part of the speech because he's talking just about the Liberty Bell and, and Independence Hall. Here we go. It is not here necessary to examine in detail the causes which led to the American Revolution. I must add that this has been, um, uh, what is his name, a Dominic uh, from The Federalist reading this, of course, okay? So this is not Calvin Coolidge, but this is his speech. Here we go. It is not here necessary to examine in detail the causes which led to the American Revolution. In their immediate occasion, they were largely economic. The colonists objected to the navigation laws which interfered with their trade. They denied the power of Parliament to impose taxes which they were obliged to pay, and they therefore resisted the royal governors and the royal forces which were sent to secure obedience to these laws. But the conviction is inescapable that a new civilization had come. A new spirit had arisen on this side of the Atlantic more advanced and more developed in its regard for the rights of the individual than that which characterized the old world. Life in a new and open country had aspirations which could not be realized in any subordinate position. A separate establishment was ultimately inevitable. It had been decreed by the very laws of human nature. Man everywhere has an unconquerable desire to be the master of his own destiny. We are obliged to conclude that the Declaration of Independence represented the movement of a people. It was not, of course, a movement from the top. Revolutions do not come from that direction. It was not without the support of many of the most respectable people in the colonies who were entitled to all the consideration that is given to breeding, education, and possessions. It had the support of another element of great significance and importance to which I shall later refer. But the preponderance of all those who occupied a position which took on the aspect of aristocracy did not approve of the revolution and held toward it an attitude either of neutrality or open hostility. It was in no sense a rising of the oppressed and downtrodden. It brought no scum to the surface for the reason that colonial society had developed no scum. The great body of the people were accustomed to privations, but they were free from depravity. If they had poverty, it was not of the hopeless kind that afflicts great cities, but the inspiring kind that marks the spirit of the pioneer. The American Revolution represented the informed and mature convictions of a great mass of independent, liberty-loving, God-fearing people who knew their rights and possessed the courage to dare to maintain them. The Continental Congress was not only composed of great men, but it represented a great people. While its members did not fail to exercise a remarkable leadership, 
They were equally observant of their representative capacity. They were industrious in encouraging their constituents to instruct them to support independence. But until such instructions were given, they were inclined to withhold. While North Carolina has the honor of first authorizing its delegates to concur with other colonies in declaring independence, it was quickly followed by South Carolina and Georgia, which also gave general instructions broad enough to include such action. But the first instructions which unconditionally directed its delegates to declare for independence came from the great Commonwealth of Virginia. These were immediately followed by Rhode Island and Massachusetts, while the other colonies, with the exception of New York, soon adopted a like course. This obedience of the delegates to the wishes of their constituents, which in some cases caused them to modify their previous positions, is a matter of great significance. It reveals an orderly process of government in the first place. But more than that, it demonstrates that the Declaration of Independence was the result of the seasoned and deliberate thought of the dominant portion of the people of the colonies. Adopted after long discussion and as the result of the duly authorized expression of the preponderance of public opinion, it did not partake of dark intrigue or hidden conspiracy. It was well advised. It had about it nothing of the lawless and disordered nature of a riotous insurrection. It was maintained on a plane which rises above the ordinary conception of rebellion. It was in no sense a radical movement, but took on the dignity of a resistance to illegal usurpations. It was conservative and represented the action of the colonists to maintain their constitutional rights, which from time immemorial had been granted to, guaranteed to them under the law of the land. When we come to examine the action of the Continental Congress in adopting the Declaration of Independence in the light of what was set out in that great document and in the light of succeeding events, we cannot escape the conclusion that it had a much broader and deeper significance than a mere secession of territory and establishment of a new nation. Events of that nature have been taking place since the dawn of history. One empire after another has arisen, only to crumble away as its constituent parts separated from each other and set up independent governments of their own. Such actions long ago became commonplace. They have occurred too often to hold the attention of the world and command the administration and reverence of humanity. There is something beyond the establishment of a new nation, great as that event would be, in the Declaration of Independence, which has ever since caused it to be regarded as one of the great charters that not only was to liberate America, but was everywhere to ennoble humanity. It was not because it was proposed to establish a new nation but because it was proposed to establish a nation on new principles. The July 4th, 1776 has come to be regarded as one of the greatest days in history. Wow. Wow. So yeah. so my thoughts on this, um, when hearing this, uh, absolutely what he's really talking about is the kind of situation, what they were thinking and how it was done, okay? Um, the left this sort of lawless insurrection that he was talking about by dark intrigue that he was talking about. Um, when something is done um, the way that these leftist progressives are, Antifa and all these groups, that is not a righteous cause. When a righteous cause, you'll recognize that because, what did he say? He said uh, that there's a difference between radical protest and a righteous cause of people gathering together to make a change. Okay? To do that kind of protest. And it's self-controlled. It's orderly. They had uh, they had sort of an obedience to those that were leading them and those leading them had an obedience to them. Yes. There was a there was an interchange there that made it so that it was orderly. They had long discussions, he said. They had seasoned thoughts. It wasn't anger amplified. 
But that's all we see in this nation with these groups, this resistant group out there that's trying to say that we're the group to join. You know, we're the group that, that, that has it going on. Join us. It is just anger amplified. All it is is basically there's no seasoned thought. There's no logic to it. It's just violent. It's violent, and it's let's get our way because we're going to just stand in the street and holler. And he was saying when this revolution occurred, when the people gathered together to finally say enough— it was or it was orderly. It was actually conservative, not not party wise, but conservative in thinking. And also beca- became because of long discussion. That was the result of being orderly together. And that's how they knew that this was a righteous cause, that it was that it was truth and that it was something that um, certainly God would put his hand on. When we see what's going on in America right now, let these people um, show who they are. <laughs> Fine. Let them show who they are. The rest of the nation is not going to play along because the rest of the nation understands that, that this is how it's done. When the government gets too heavy handed, um, that, that this is thoughtful, it's seasoned, and it's coming from a place of, of truth and inspiration where they're relying on, on inspiration from God, not just because people are mad. I loved this. I thought Coolidge was right on the money, and he really was one of our uh, better presidents. Harding and Coolidge were fantastic. In fact, under Coolidge, um, didn't he erase the debt? We actually were, were doing quite well under Coolidge, but they, Coolidge and Harding will not get the, uh, they will not paint them as victors in history books. They never do the good guys, only the, the other ones. There's another interesting thing about this speech. Mm-hmm. It was in 1926. Right, almost 100 years ago. Which is also at the start of the progressive attempts to change this country. 